Well, what do you do when you find yourself in the midst of crisis? What do you do when, when everything inside of you wants to believe in the goodness of God, but what you, what you see with your eyes is different than what you want to believe with your heart? What about when you start having doubts about what you've always been told is true or what you've always believed or thought is true, and you're not quite sure anymore, and now you're, you're wrestling with that? What do you do when you want to believe that God is good, but frankly, life is not? That's, that's what we're talking through in these next few weeks here. We've been in the middle of a series called Hope in the Dark. We started last week. We will be here this week and next week. And we're looking at one of the most raw and honest books in the Bible, uh, Habakkuk. Last week, we started in, in chapter 1. And if you weren't with us or, or if you did uh, catch up online, you know that Habakkuk 1 is not a sitcom sermon. Last week was not a sitcom sermon. We did not solve all the problems in 30 minutes. In fact, we were left hanging. Well, we're into chapter 2 today, and this one isn't a sitcom sermon either. After last week, I, I got some feedback, and, and, and some of it was saying, listen, that, that was a tough one to hear. And I know that it was in a lot of ways, but, but here's the thing. You and I both know that, that real life, in real life, everything doesn't get tied up in a neat little bow after 30 minutes. We all know that, that in real life, we're often left in the same place that Habakkuk was, wrestling with what we see going on around us while trying to embrace what we know to be true about God. And so in chapter 1 last week, we said, listen, when you hit a crisis, because we will all hit crisis, our, our world is in the midst of crisis right now. When you hit a crisis, don't deny that it exists and don't walk away from God, but instead wrestle and embrace wrestle with your doubts and embrace what you know to be true about God. Cling to a verse like Psalm 23 verse 4 where the psalmist writes, David writes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, crisis, I will fear no evil because you are with me. In chapter 1 we said, don't quit on God. It was all about wondering Saying, God, listen, I know you can do something in this. I believe you can, but you're not, and I don't understand why not. Chapter 2 is all about waiting on God. Now, wondering is hard. The, the wrestling is hard, but, but waiting in the midst of that, well, that might be even harder. Just quickly, a bit of backstory in case you did miss last week. Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. He, he lived and was writing about 600 years before Jesus was born. And now most prophets would speak to the people on behalf of God, but Habakkuk was different. Instead, he spoke to God on behalf of the people. See, he went to God and said, listen, I don't know why you're not acting here. I don't understand this. This doesn't seem fair. You're supposed to be a just God. But the way things are looking right now, I'm not so sure that you are. Where are you in the midst of this, God? Why aren't you doing what I think you should be doing? See, Habakkuk and his people, the people of Judah, they had been once blessed and prosperous. But now they were living in a time of corruption and they were suffering. So Habakkuk is basically crying out, God, deliver us from this. And then we read in verse 5 of chapter 1 that God says, okay, I'm going to do something, and I'm going to do something amazing. You're not going to believe it. Habakkuk must be thinking, finally, God's answering our prayers. God's going to step in. God's going to come through for us. He's going to make everything better. He's going to make everything right. We're going to be happy and blessed and prosperous again. But then God says, 
here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to raise up your enemies, a nation that's even worse than you are, and they are going to be the ones to bring my judgment on you. Understandably, Habakkuk is beside himself. This doesn't make sense. He's struggling to put together these pieces, these words he's heard from God with what he, he knows to be true of God. And so in chapter 1, he's wondering. In chapter 2, now he's waiting. So let's get into chapter 2. As we walk through this chapter, I want us to see three things that God's Word, the Bible, tells us to do. Three things that Habakkuk does, and when you're hurting or you're wondering, three things that you can do when you don't know what else to do as well. The first thing we see him do is we see him listen to God. We see him slow down and listen. See, some people, when they see God doing something that they don't like or they, they feel like God is absent, they, they just walk away. They, they doubt God and they quit on God, but, but God, uh, Habakkuk doesn't do any of that. Instead, he uh, strategically and purposely positions himself the best place he can think of so that he'll be able to hear from God, see the hand of God at work. Look at verse 1. He says, I will take my stand at the watch post, and I will station myself on the tower, and I will look out to see what he will say to me. And then what I will answer concerning my complaint. He says, I don't get this, God. I don't understand, but I want to. And so I'm going to put myself in the best position I can to look and see and hear what you're about to say to me. Now, this isn't always easy to do in the midst of crisis, is it? When you're hurting, it's oftentimes just hard to stop and, and wait and listen for what God wants to say to you through the circumstances. I think, and maybe it's just me, that it is, it is a lot easier to keep talking at God than to stop and wait for him to tell me what to do. I know what he could do. I know what he should do. So let me keep telling him what he should do. We know God can step in. We know God can step into our situations and bring healing or restoration. And so we say to him, listen, God, why aren't you doing this? If you, if you would just do what I'm asking you to do, it would bring glory to your name. I'd have yet another reason to brag about who you are. I'd be able to tell more people about what you've been up to in my life and how you've changed my life and how you're, you're so good. But God, if you don't come through here, if you don't answer this prayer, if I don't see what work, you know what, it's, it's hard to defend you in that. It's hard to talk about how good you are when I'm in the midst of crisis mode. See, in these times, what we actually need to do is instead of telling God what to do, we need to stop and listen to him. Because just like we opened our service with, with those Hebrews passages, our God is a God who speaks. He's a God that speaks through his word, through, speaks through the Bible. If, if you're a follower of Jesus, I can't emphasize enough just how important it is to be reading the Bible every day. I know for myself that it's so important when things start to feel like they're, they're crumbling underneath me or spiraling out of control, almost every time I can look at the emphasis or more honestly, the lack thereof of, of sitting down and, and spending time in the Bible and see a correlation. It doesn't help to just open our Bibles and read a couple of verses so that we can hit check in our version Bible reading plan or check off the checklist and move on. We, we actually need to open our Bibles and take a breath and focus. If you are 
are new to faith or exploring faith, I would invite you to reach out, drop a note in the comment section, send me a text or a message on Facebook or whatever. However, I would love to connect with you and direct you to some reading plans, some ways to start reading and understanding your Bible because it's so important. I would encourage everyone to, to grab a, a Bible app. The, the YouVersion Bible app is my personal favorite, the one I use the most, and, and search through their reading plans. We have a few reading plans on our website as well, but you've got to open up the Bible. You've got to carve out even just a few minutes to start to sit down and focus on what you're reading and allow God to speak through his word to us. God will speak through his word. He also speaks to us through his spirit. Now, now God can speak audibly. I, I've never heard, I don't think, the audible voice of God, but I know some people who have. But there have been a handful of times in my life where it was like God spoke directly to my soul. And even though it wasn't audible, it wasn't an audible voice, it was just so clear that God was saying, Sean, you need to deal with this thing. Or God, Sean, here's where I'm taking you. Here's where I'm pointing you. Here's your next step that it was, there's no doubt that it was the Spirit of God speaking to me. God can speak through his Spirit. And also, God speaks through his people. Again, there have been so many times where this has been true for me, where, where I'm in, in crisis mode, or I'm wrestling, I'm not understanding what's going on, and, and God puts someone in, in my life or in my family's lives where we sit down and, and they can sit with us and, and pray with us and then speak a word from God to us. This is another reason why we keep highlighting the need for community. And I know it's hard to be together right now with, with all that we're going through, but, but we need to find ways to connect, whether that's a phone call or a video chat or, or even emails or texts. We need to find community. We need to be together because God can speak to us through his people. God can also speak through a message just like this one. God can speak through a song and God can speak through our circumstances. The point of all of this is that God can and God will speak. Sometimes we just need to be quiet for long enough to allow God to answer the questions we've been sending his way. Because he will speak. Now, if he doesn't, or if it doesn't seem like he's speaking, don't panic. Just because he's silent or seems to be silent, that doesn't mean that God is absent. Just because he's, he's not speaking loudly or audibly to you, that doesn't mean he's not with you right now. He is always there. He is always with you. He is for you and he loves you. So we need to listen for his voice. Now, a warning, and I'm just going to be really honest here. Sometimes when you do hear his voice, He's going to tell you something that you don't want to hear. That's what just happened to Habakkuk, isn't it? God told him he was going to step in and do something amazing. He was going to answer the prayer, but it was going to be raising up Babylon. It's going to be bringing an, an enemy of Judah to bring judgment on the people. Sometimes God will speak and God will answer your prayers. He'll speak to you, but he'll tell you something that you don't want to hear. No, I'm not going to take you there. I'm not going to rebuild this relationship. I'm not going to do that thing. Consider as well the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. If any person deserved, deserved, if you will, to have God do what he asked him, Paul was probably near the top or at the top of that list. And yet we read in his letters that Paul had something that, that he called a thorn in his side. 
And we don't know for sure what it was. Some theologians have, have, have offered some guesses. Maybe it was a blindness or partial blindness. Maybe it was some kind of addiction or pain or depression. There's, there's all sorts of ideas of what that thorn in the flesh could be, but we don't know for sure. What we do know is that Paul says he pleaded with God to take it away. Pleaded, not just sort of haphazardly asked once or twice, but pleaded three times that God would take it away. And God answered all three times. But he said no. God's answer was no. And then God told Paul, my grace is enough for you. And I'm sure when Paul heard that, that he agreed, that he knew God's grace was enough. And we can be sure of that from his writings, from Paul's writings. But it sure would have been nice to get rid of that thorn in his side, wouldn't it? Now Paul could have said, look God, look at everything that I have done for you. I've traveled all over the place. I've planted churches all over the place. I've been shipwrecked for you. I've been beaten for you. I've had to escape with my life. I've been, you know, bitten by snakes. All of these things. And I've done them for you, God. Come on, let's get some of that back. But I think we know that's not how this works, is it? We don't do things for God to coerce him to do something for us. So the first thing we do is we listen. The second thing we do is we write it down. We write it down. We, we document what God has said to us. And that's what God tells Habakkuk to do here, does, isn't it? Look at verse 2. He says, write the vision. Make it plain on the tablets. Write it down. Record it. Document. Uh, as one uh, professor of preaching says, write it down or lose it forever. Now, why do we do this? Why do we have to write this down? Well, there's a couple of reasons. If you're like me, it can be so easy to get distracted by other things, and in a matter of time, you've forgotten some of the things that God has been saying. But even further than that, and maybe this is a part of it, but further than that, we actually have a spiritual enemy whose mission it is to steal and kill and destroy. Our enemy wants to take from you what God has given to you. See, God will give you a word. God will give you faith. God will give you a moment of peace, but our enemy wants to take it away. If we don't write it down, our memory can get fuzzy, and our, our enemy will come and uh, use literally the oldest trick in the book and say, did God really say that? Is God really in this? Is God really for you? This happens all the time, all the time. Maybe for some of us, it's even happened in the last couple of days, or maybe it's happened since last week. Maybe God spoke to you through the service, whether it was the music or the prayers or the scripture or the message, and you thought, yeah, it's God, that was just for me. I I'm here, thank you. And then you went on with your week, and before you know it, it was, now what was it God said? Or did God really say? It happens all the time. Satan wants to take from you what God gives to you. Now, admittedly, I am not very good at this. I am not very consistent at, at writing things down. Sometimes I write them down, they wind up in a bunch of pieces of paper scattered all over my desk. But I have had seasons where I'm better than others, and so this week I, I took some time to look back at a couple of journals that I had in my office. I was reminded of some of the things that God has said, some of the things that are, that are true of me, that are true of all of us as his followers. I was reminded of some of the things that I have been called to, the things he has said, and fortunately at that time, I wrote it down. 
So I know this is something I need to get better at for sure. And so we listen to what God will say. Then we, we write it down. And as if those two things weren't challenging enough, there's one more step. There's one more step Habakkuk gives us in the next verse here. And this might be where many of us are right now. We wait. You listen, you write, and then you wait. Now listen, if, if wondering in chapter 1 is hard, waiting can be so much worse. Maybe you, you've wrestled with any or all of these questions. Listen, is, is that person going to come back to faith in Jesus? Is my child going to come back to Christ? Or my friend or, or a parent or family member, whoever, are they coming back to Jesus? Am I ever going to find restoration in this relationship? How long, O oh Lord, do I have to wait? Is God going to give me physical healing? Am I, am I ever going to get out of this anxiety or depression? God, why am I still waiting? Now look at verse 3. Maybe, maybe this is what you need to hear this morning. But the vision still awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. The word from God will not lie because God cannot lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. For it will surely come. It will not delay. If it seems slow, if it lingers, wait for it. Wait for it. Another translation puts it this way. It says, the vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it, it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. For it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. If it seems slow, wait patiently. It will surely take place. In God's time, he will respond. In the appointed time, he will do his perfect will. At the appointed time, he will deliver. The beautiful piece here is that the Hebrew word that we translate as appointed time, it literally means the perfect and unstoppable timing of God. When the time comes, it's coming. There's no stopping. As one writer said, listen, always remember if it's not God's time, you can't force it. But when it's God's time, you can't stop it. When it's, when it's God's appointed time, when it's the perfect, unstoppable timing of God, you can't stop it. Though it lingers, wait for it, because his timing is perfect. Now, sometimes that is a whole lot easier to say than others. What if you've been waiting for a long time? What if you've been stuck in the waiting zone, not just for maybe hours or days or, or even weeks, but it's been months or years? What do you do when the waiting drags on and you're still wrestling, you're trying to hang on to your faith, but you're not seeing anything? You're wondering, you're waiting, you're wrestling. Where is God? Just remember that, that God's delays are not God's denials. Just because you haven't seen it yet, that doesn't mean God is not going to do it. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. Verse 4. Some say this is the most important verse in all of Habakkuk. It says, Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. This is talking about the king of Babylon and, and Babylon as a whole. One writer says, listen, the Babylonians were full of arrogance. They had no regard for humility. They had inflated egos. Their agenda was all about them and, and about no one else. 
Their pride and presumption would eventually lead to their downfall. As James says in chapter 4, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Continues and said the the Babylonians had a, a reputation for arrogance and for pride. They were swollen with pride. Those who are arrogant lack integrity. There's no uprightness about them. They were crooked in their character. And you can go and you can read through verse 5 through 19 in a section that's called the, the five woes of Babylon. See, God knows that they're in the wrong too. And he knows and he's saying that, listen, they will be judged as well. They will get theirs because you're right, Habakkuk. I am a just God. So he acknowledges that, that they are evil. This enemy, Babylon, is puffed up. They, they don't desire anything that's upright. But God's not talking to them right now. He's, he's talking to Habakkuk and he says, listen, I'm going to deal with them. Don't worry about that. They will get theirs. But the righteous shall live by faith. If that verse sounds familiar, it's because it's quoted multiple times in the New Testament as well. Romans chapter 1, Galatians chapter 3, and Hebrews chapter 10, to name just a few. See, in the, in the New Testament, we're told that the righteous will live by faith. And so we're told that, that we don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. And, and let me clarify that just a little bit and say that our, our faith isn't solely based on what we see or what we want or getting our desired outcomes. That's not what we base our faith on. But our faith, being a follower of Jesus, the, the Christian faith is based on the character and the goodness and the nature of God himself. And so we live by faith in that. We don't just stick our heads in the sand and let life happen to us. We wrestle and we embrace and we trust in what we know to be true of God. I think maybe Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 help us out here too where it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't rely or lean on just your own understanding. Have faith. Think about him in all your ways and he will guide you on the right paths. See, so often faith precedes understanding. Habakkuk doesn't understand right now, but he wrestles and he has faith. I love how one writer puts, he says, listen, the righteous will live by faith. That's saying, even though I don't see with my eyes, I will fight to trust you, God, with my heart. Even though everything I want you to do, you're not doing, I will wait for it. I'll wait for your goodness. I'll wait for your glory to be revealed. And even though it lingers, I'm going to wait for it. Even though it's not still coming, I will wait for it. Now, no doubt Habakkuk is still confused and upset and angry. He's got questions. Maybe he even feels betrayed and is just trying to hang on to something here. But God will continue to speak this judgment through the next several verses. He, he does outline the judgment in those five woes that will come to Babylon. He says, woe to him that piles up stolen goods. They're, they're thieves in verse 6. They're cheaters in verse 9. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed. They're a violent people. They'll be judged for that. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors in verse 15. And, and woe to him who says to wood, come to life in verse 19. They are idolaters. They are chasing after other things as their God. And they will be judged for that. But then we get down to verse 20 and we get this almost glimmer of hope. Flip down there with me. 
Again, verses 18 and 19, I've just talked about a woe to them for their, their idols. He's talked about the idols of Babylon, but then contrast that with verse 20. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. It's as if he's reminding himself here, uh, Habakkuk is, the Lord is not mute, the Lord is not dumb or deaf or powerless like those other idol gods. He is enthroned in his temple. He is reigning over the universe that he created. He is sovereign over all things. God is in control even when everything and everyone seems out of control. Saying, I, even though I don't get it, even though things aren't going the way I think they should, no matter what I see, I choose faith. No matter what I feel, I choose faith. Even in my doubts, I can still raise my hands in worship. Even though I don't see a way, with God there is a way. I'm aching, I'm hurting, but, but in my heart I choose to trust God. I don't see the things that I want to see right now, but because of the faithfulness of God, I will choose to walk by faith. I don't understand this, but I believe with everything in me that my God is still good. The Lord is still on his throne. The Lord is still in his holy temple. And because he's still there, we can still worship him. Before we see him move, we can still worship him. We can praise him before we see him. And even in the waiting, we can believe that he is still good. Listen, with all that's going on in our world right now, we have a choice. We can, we can run away from God or we can wrestle with our doubts. We can, we can run towards God and, and we can put our faith in him. We could just try and hang on and get through this or we can embrace this season, embrace the crisis and expect to hear from God through it. Remember again, Habakkuk means to wrestle and to embrace. That's what his name means. And so if we're wrestling, we're saying, listen, I don't like this. This doesn't seem right. I would give anything for it to be different, but God, I'm not letting go. In chapter 1, we saw Habakkuk wondering. Don't walk away from God in chapter 1. In chapter 2, we see Habakkuk waiting. Don't quit on God in the waiting. Next week, we get to chapter 3. And so I hope you'll be with us next week. But listen, you cannot get to chapter 3 without going through chapters 1 and 2. So don't walk away from God in chapter 1. Don't quit on God in chapter 2. He is big enough to handle the wrestling, but keep on embracing. Let me pray for us. God, I ask that you would speak to us in a way that only you can. God, we want to hear from you, even if what you say surprises us. We want to record it. We want to write it down. God, we will wait on your goodness, and we will wait on your faithfulness. We will wait on you. If you're with us right now, and you're tuning in, and you're waiting for something right now, whether it's something in your own life, or it's a prayer request, or a need, or a burden, and you're finding yourself in this waiting season, you're praying, and you're believing, but you're not yet seeing, I would be honored to pray with you right now, and I will in just a minute. If you're on our church online page, you can hit that live prayer button and be jumped into a private chat where you can, we can pray together there.
You can head to our trinitycanmore.com slash prayer page and you can drop us a note there as well. It would be an honor to pray with and for you. But let me keep praying for us now. God, give us strength. Help us not just to endure the waiting, but God, help us to embrace this time. Help us to hang on to you. And God, help us too, and, and we want to say that we will worship you before we see the miracle, before we see what you're up to. And if we never see the miracle we want, God, we will continue to worship you. Because our faith isn't based on us getting what we want, but God, our faith is based on your character, your nature, and your goodness. So God, help us to see that you are good even in the waiting. Listen, for some of you, God is waiting on you. If you and I sat down and had a socially distanced conversation and I asked you where you stand with God, how would you answer that question? Maybe you're not really sure, but, but be honest. Look back at your life and maybe you, you've got some experience around a church. Maybe you've, you've walked away. Maybe you, you're trying other things or maybe you're just exploring faith for the first time. But look back at your life and maybe you can see times where, where God was trying to draw you to himself. He put people in your path. He put events in your way. He put a song on the radio. He's trying to get your attention. Listen, God desires that every single one of us would know him intimately, have a relationship with him. And all through your life, God has been reaching out to you. The Bible says that he's doing that. He is patient and he's waiting. God doesn't want anyone to do life without him. He doesn't want anyone to exist eternally without his grace and his presence. He's waiting. and He's, he's waiting on you to say yes to his love. He's waiting on you to say yes to his grace. So who is Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God, perfect in every way. He, he died and he gave up his life. And on the third day, the stone was rolled away and that tomb was empty and he had risen. Why? He had risen so that, so that anyone, and that includes you this morning, anyone who calls on his name would be saved and forgiven and made new. God's waiting on you. Maybe now is your time. Maybe now is your appointed time. Remember, if it's not God's time, you can't force it, but when it is, you can't stop it. Maybe you're realizing that this is now your time. This is the moment to say yes, to, to turn from going your own way and turn from your sins and turn to your Savior and give your life completely to Jesus. Maybe this is the time, this is the moment, and you know it, that today you want to say, by faith, I give my life to Jesus, and that's your prayer, then you can pray this with me. Heavenly Father, I surrender my whole life to you. Forgive my sins. Make me new. Be first and be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you and live for you. My life isn't mine. I give it to you. Thank you, Jesus, for new life. And now you have mine. In Jesus' good name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I am so excited for you. If you're watching on Church Online, hit that little raise hand button. There's a short, quick commit form that'll just let us know that you, you've prayed that prayer and it would allow me to, to get uh, in contact with you. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube or, or elsewhere later, head to our website, trinitycamera.com slash commit. Again, fill out just a couple quick questions that lets us get in touch. I would love to celebrate with you in our homes. We can clap for one another. We can celebrate that God is at work, that, that for someone today, this was God's time welcoming him into the family.
We're going to send it back up to the other side of the valley and, and the sellers are going to lead us in, in our closing song. So Steve, Deb, Christy, Anna, take it away. <laughs>